Praise God. Uh, it was a great week last week. Man, Parrish, you're still saved, right? Parrish gave her life to Christ, man. And then, and then uh, yeah. And then asked to be baptized afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And I didn't realize it was victory at sea. And uh, I think it was awesome because, yeah, JJ and I went out there, but I found out later there were no less than five or six guys that had already taken all the, their wallets and phones out of their pockets so that they could rescue JJ, Parrish, and I if we needed it. But fortunately, we didn't, man, went down. Did you see how when we brought you up, God just slid us? You were bulldozing, man, at 45 degree angle. And I was just holding on, man. It was great. And then we just stood up, man. That was a really cool baptism. So praise God. Uh, it's always available. And um, yeah, baptism, again, it doesn't save you. What it is, is it's your chance to preach and tell people what you believe about Christ. When you stand in the water, it looks like a cross. And, uh, and it proclaims what Jesus did. When I take you under the water, it, it proclaims, you're proclaiming the fact that you believe Jesus died to pay for your sins and took the penalty for him. And when you come back up again, Parrish, you glad that Jesus rose and you didn't have to stay under there? Man, if Jesus didn't rise, baptism would be a one-hit wonder, you know? <laughs> It'd be all she wrote. <laughs> and, but all y'all have been baptized, man, we bring you back up again. And it's your personal testimony that you believe Christ died for your sins. And you're dying to being the boss of your life as best as you can. And you're coming back up living uh, with a desire and, and a commitment to live your life for him in his power. And that's a pretty awesome thing. So anytime any of y'all want to get baptized, man, uh, just let us know. And that was just pretty cool. So thank you for that opportunity. And I'm grateful to see what God has done in your life. And uh, that's awesome. Well, we're going to finish Romans chapter 7, but and to finish it, um, i got to kind of briefly go over uh, the, first, uh, uh, the first couple of parts of it. Where it's kind of broken up into thirds, and uh, let me blow this up real quick. So when you come into this world, as we learned in the beginning of Romans chapter 7, this is you. You're over on this side. You are born into Adam. And being born into Adam, you know, you had no choice. At being born into Adam, you're born a sinner. And again, sinners do what? They sin. If you're born a dog, you do what? You bark. You're born a cat, you meow. You're born a sinner, you sin. So it's not sin that makes you a sinner. It's the fact you came in this world born into Adam. You had no choice about that. And uh, so as you were born into Adam, man, you, 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 sin was your, was your nature that you had. And then the second part, what we learned is that uh, by being born into Adam, you are married now to the law. And so what a horrible spouse you would think, but it's really, Paul is going to tell us later, that it, that it was us that was the horrible spouse. The law is a great mate. We were just a sorry spouse. And so, so when we're, we're married to the law, what that means is you're married to somebody that you can't ever please. Boy, wouldn't that be horrible, huh? <laughs> uh, don't elbow anybody right now, but I'm just saying, it's like, you know, you're, you're married to somebody who's always right, you are always wrong, and literally, you really are always wrong, and they're always right, and they're always willing to let you know that you are wrong, and you are never going to be right, and, and so God says the only way you can get out of this marriage is to die, it's kind of till death do us part, right? You can die, and once you die, then you're free to marry someone else, and so what we've learned in this is in the second part is that when you die you die because you give your life to Christ at some point 
So let me illustrate this real super quick because we're going to use this balloon later on in it. And you've seen this before. I've used it. It's just the greatest illustration that I can come up with from this. God gave it to me when I was a youth pastor and then a children's pastor. And you guys are nothing but big kids anyways, right? All right. So, so in this, again, this is how you come into the world. You come into this world as a sinner. All you, you can do everything a sinner can do, everything within this nature, and you're married to the law. You're always wrong. You can never do anything right. And in fact, the law only convicts you. It can't help you fix it. It's not even an effective spouse to say, wow, well, you would be better if you did this, and I'm going to help you do it. No, it's like, good luck, pal. You stink. You're, you're not going to be able to do this. You're always going to be a failure married to the law. So what happens is at some point in our life, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, you give him your life and, uh, hang on a second, man, I got this balloon's on crooked. All right, you give Jesus Christ your life, and so what happens at that point in time, all right, come on, man, don't let me down now. Oh, come on. <laughs> all right, hold on, maybe I didn't blow it up enough here. All right, here we go. We're going to get it. Oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. How many of y'all, it was hard, that hard to get saved? You know what I'm saying? So you get saved and you give your life to Christ, and now you're a new life in Christ. The old man that was married to the law, according to Romans chapter 7, he died. She died. That old person died. The one that was controlled by sin, the one that could do nothing but sin and couldn't fix sin, the one who couldn't take sin away, the one that couldn't overcome sin, that person, that old person died. And now that it was dead, you were free, according to Romans chapter 7, to marry someone else. And specifically, he says, you marry someone who rose from the dead, which is Jesus Christ. And now we are married to Christ. How many of y'all are the bride of Christ? Yeah, because you got born again. But how many of y'all know, even though this old man is not dominant, and the old man can't make you sin, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 uh, uh, it, it, go look that one up again. First Corinthians ten thirteen. Help me out with that. I... Help me out. First Corinthians ten thirteen. Somebody look it up super quick. What? No oh, no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above your, what you're able. But with the temptation, God will make a way to escape. And, and so you cannot. The devil can't make you do it anymore. And now you have the desire and ability to do things God's way. But how many of y'all know that you still have the flesh? How many of y'all had a fight with the flesh this morning? You know, we, it, 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 and so that's where Paul takes us now in this third section that we're going to look at. He says, life is a battle and then you die. All right? Life's a battle and then you die. That sounds kind of negative, but you're going to see how that's a really big positive in all of this. So, in here, he said it's a battle, but the devil can't make you do anything. The only way that you lose is by giving into the flesh. We have three enemies in this world, and it's really the, the number one enemy. Who's the number one enemy in your life? Everybody take your finger right here and, and point it to yourself. <laughs> You're the number one enemy. Because check this out. Satan created a world, all right? Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He is not anything like God. He's not even comparable. He's a created being from God, and he's a pawn for God. And yes, he's powerful, and yes, he has demons, and yes, he wants to mess your life up, but you know what? He can't be everywhere. 
So he can't be attacking you and you and you and you all at the same time. And, and people say, oh, Satan's attacking me. Like, wow, you must be pretty important. No, it's probably one of his demons, but even more specifically, it's probably you. Because here's what Satan did. Satan, according to the word of God, is in charge of this world system. How many of y'all can watch the news, look at what's going on, and say, oh, this is God. This is the way God wanted the world to be. How many of y'all shake your head and say, wow. Man, it, in fact, in Romans, we're going to learn later in Romans that the earth, everything is groaning, saying, oh, God, please fix this. God, I'm tired of who I am. God, I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of the battle. I'm tired. God, fix it. The earth is even groaning. How many of y'all know that the lost world knows there's something wrong with the earth right now? <laughs> That's why they're worshiping it. They call global warming. They called acid rain. How many of y'all remember acid rain? Remember that one? You go all the way back. And man, there always there's something wrong with this world. What's wrong with it is Satan is running it under God's control. Don't get me wrong. God is omnipotent. He is in charge of everything, and he's got a plan. And when we went through Revelation, the book of Revelation, you, you, we, we went through that plan. We've gone through it a number of times to share. And if you ever want to go have lunch, go paddleboard, go hang out, we can talk more about God's plan. But God's plan is God's plan, and that's part of it. So he's allowed Satan since the fall to be the governor of this planet. And it is Satan's uh, plan that is running this world. Now, guess what this world appeals to? It appeals to your flesh. It appeals to this little thing that you got hanging on. It doesn't have control over you. You are controlled by God Almighty now once you give your life to him. This is your new nature. You all think you're a brand new creation. But as long as you live in this body, you are going to have this little bit of flesh here. In fact, John says it's what causes us to sin. Lust the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. In fact, he even said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. You're, you're, you're lying against God because God says you have sin. It's because of this flesh right here. It has no control over us, but we let it control us. The world lures it. The world says, man, you can't, do, you can't do what God wants you to do. You have to do it this way. Or your flesh says, I don't want to do it the way God wants to do this particular thing, and I'm going to do it this way. How many of you have had a battle with your flesh in the last year? The last month? The last week? The last day? The last 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah! We're constantly, and that's... And so again... You know, if the enemy can deceive us into who the enemy really is, then we can be fighting the wrong battle. You can't beat your enemy unless you know who your enemy really is. And that's why Paul emphasizes this in the last part. So again, he says, man, you have no choice but to come in this world born into Adam. And you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. But you do have a choice as whether you're going to stay there. If you give the desire and ability to give your life to Christ, give your life to Christ, move over to Christ's family and get out of the Adam's family. When you do that, you die with Christ and you get a divorce from your old spouse, which is the law, and now you live with Christ. Christ is now your spouse. And so unlike the law who says you're wrong, you do this wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong and offers no help, now that we're married to Christ, Christ leads us in the law. Christ says, wow, hey, don't steal. You don't have to steal to succeed. 
And you don't have to lie to succeed. You don't have to do. And so when we're married to Christ, Christ not only gives us direction, but he, unlike the law, gives us the power to obey what he wants us to do. So again, we've talked about this for weeks now. If you, if you try to obey the law, man, Leviticus 32, 45, Le, Levit, I don't you know, Hezekiah, whatever. I'm just saying, you try to obey the law, what are you going to do? You're going to fail. That's what Romans 7 says, you're going to fail. So instead of trying, we're not married to the law anymore. We're married to Christ. So instead, we're in love with Christ. And Christ says, do this. And we're like, yeah. And we do it and we succeed. Christ says, do this. And we, we do it in his power and we succeed. So Christ as a spouse not only says, hey, don't do that. That's going to get you in trouble. Or do this. This is going to be really awesome. Unlike the law, Christ gives us the power, the desire, and the ability to actually fulfill it. So if we focus on our relationship with Christ, we succeed. If you focus on obeying the law, you're going to fail. And we've gone through that. We probably preached on it more times. Some of y'all could get up and preach on that right now because we've been in Romans chapter 7 for a while. You could probably preach on it now, right, Ashley? Right, probably could. But here's where we are. Here's where we are. So we're married to Christ. We have the desire, the ability to do the right thing in him. But this world system sure does appeal to this, doesn't it? Man, I, I, the marketing, isn't that what marketing does? Dude, the deodorant that you used, oh my goodness, it's horrible. You need new deodorant, Gladys. No, I'm not you, but how I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, that deodorant, the work for, that, uh, the soap that you used. Uh, I mean, everything you have is inferior so they can sell you something else. You're never satisfied with anything. That's just a small taste of it, but that's in general what we're talking about. When Christ says all your satisfaction comes from him, just here's what a spirit-filled life is again. What do you want me to do now, God? And you do it. What do you want me to do now, God? And we do it. And we keep doing that. And sometimes, Julia, we're on that path, and it seems confusing, doesn't it? I'm doing what you told me to do, God, but it doesn't seem to, I'm not getting the result I thought I would get, right? Anybody been there? Yet. Yet, and in fact, when you do get the result from doing what God wants you to do, it's going to be better than anything you ever thought of when it finally comes, and it might not come till heaven. But the fact is, is you do what he wants you to do. It's during that time that Satan starts saying, well, you know, through your flesh over here, you know, maybe you went a little overboard with Jesus. Maybe you did a little bit more, and he's trying to squeeze the Jesus out of you, right? Anybody ever had the world system? Anybody ever had the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the, the lust of the flesh try to squeeze the Jesus out of you? Maybe I'm just going a little bit too much of an extreme and you end up back over here. Don't let the world squeeze the Jesus out of you because guess what? Can they ever really squeeze the Jesus out of you, Jack? You said you were going to hide. You didn't hide very good. You're hiding behind that Jack. Oh, not that Jack, that Jack. We got a pair of Jacks right there. <laughs> but there you go, man. Can they ever squeeze all of Jesus out of you? No. But what a miserable way to live right here. What a miserable way to live when he's given you an abundant life. So, man, Paul's going to tell us that we're going to go through this cycle over and over and over again. And we don't have to give in to the flesh. This is how we're supposed to live. JT, man, an abundant life. Amen? This is how we're supposed to live. Where, Dude, you can hardly even see that. But yet the apostle Paul said, dude, I see it every day. So you know what? Some of y'all are like, well, I don't have a battle. I got an explanation for that when we get into scripture. Some of y'all are like, well, no, man, I'm good. I, everything's good. Yeah, you know what? If the apostle Paul had a battle, 
scared, I'm saying you're going to probably have a battle. If you don't think you have a battle, it's probably because you ain't paying attention <laughs> and, and, and some other things. But anyways, here's where we are. So now we get into the new stuff here. Revival through Romans. Life's a battle and then you die. Boy, doesn't that sound exciting, Tiny? Life's a battle and then you die. Boy, that's kind of, all right, that's the goal of it all. No, but what do you get when you die? Where are you going when you die, Tiny? Heaven, and who's there? God's there. And what are we going to be doing? We talked about it all last week. That's why we had Romans chapter 4. Abby, what are we going to be doing in heaven all the time? We're going to be worse. We're going to be blown away. Man, we saw, how many of y'all saw Marley's man ripping pit? Dude, you was ripping there. And, and Frank got pictures of you. I was like, where's that little boy Marley, man? There wasn't no little El Nino on that one, man. You were ripping. It was, it was good. And you were proud of him, right? I was like, woo, you were worshiping Marley. I'm not it, like instead of God, but it was, it, was, it was something awesome you saw. Look at my little boy. Woo. And uh, Marley, you probably inside were like, uh, and you were like, oh, look at my boyfriend. And, uh, but <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just saying we worship when we see something awesome, right? But in heaven, everything's going to be awesome all the time. We talked about it. Go back and read Revelation chapter 4 and understand that, man, we are going to be blown away when we find out all that God did here and what he's doing there. The main point last week, before I get into this, is this, that the reason we have these battles, one of the reasons we have these battles is so that God can give us victories. So that we get victories. We decide we're going to do it his way and not the other way. And God is going to give us a victory. We're going to overcome this sin. We're going to overcome this situation and we're going to succeed. And who gets the glory when you act like God? God. And so he's going to give us a Stephanos. We're going to get a crown. And these crowns, you get a bunch of them. Each time God wins victory in your life, you get a crown. And they're rejoicing in heaven right now, we learn. But in heaven, we are going to be around the throne. And again, they're going to be saying, on this such day, Sean, instead of going and surfing and losing his job, he worked from the fourth floor of the condo and watched epic waves. And it sure didn't seem like a good deal then. But now, Sean, he succeeded. Woo! And you lay your crown down because it was only the, by God and the fear of Savannah that you went to work. No, I'm just joking. I'm, no, it was a character God put in you, bro. It, we do, when we do God-like things, he gets the glory. And in heaven, it's going to be a constant worship service of all the victories we have gotten. And he gets all the glory, all the credit. Man, how many of y'all got at least one victory you think you got Stephanos for? This ain't bragging, because you know it's God's fault, right? All right? How many of y'all got some Stephanos? Yeah, so just in here, dude, that's what we try to start the service off with some Stephanos of what God has done. Heaven is going to be one big worship service of Stephanos after Stephanos after crown, Olympia crown after another. And on this day, Bob Weinberg did this, and woo, Bob did that. What? God gets the glory. Yes, and Bob gives God the glory. That's what heaven is going to be, one big worship party. It's going to be awesome. And so he gives us these battles so we can have victories. If he never gave us battles, could you ever have victories? Could you ever have a victory if he never gave you a battle? If he just said, oh, I just want y'all to just lay on the couch, Skip, man, with spiritual bonbons. I just want you to eat bonbons all day and watch, watch whatever, watch, watch Trinity broadcasting, man. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> there you go, bro. 
Oh, are there any Stephanos in that? Well, there might be, actually, but I'm just saying <laughs> with discernment. But, uh, but literally, he puts you through trial so you have crowns later. That's one of the reasons. We're going to see another reason here in a minute. But later, we're just going to worship from the crowns that he gave us the ability to get and he gets the glory for. That's Revelation chapter 4, and we're the elders. So take that. So revival through Roman. Life's a battle, and then you die, tiny. Does this sound exciting now? You want to die right now? No, I'm just saying, no. Dude, literally, that sounds morbid, doesn't it? Sounds horrible. But how many of y'all would be totally cool if Jesus came back right now? Yeah, dude, you're a, wait, I got something in the crock pot. <laughs> dude, after the rapture, man, they're going to take all your stuff. So you know what I'm telling you to do? If you really believe Jesus is coming back, I'm going to encourage you to make a rapture box. Make a rapture box. Because you all know that when you're gone, you ain't going to care about all that stuff. They're going to be rifling through all of your prized possessions, whoever's left in this world. You ever think about that? They're going to be going through it all. So give them something good to go through. When they get to that rapture box, man, let them open it up and, and give them an explanation. Let them see where you are and what you believe. Write down scripture. Put the Bible. Highlight all kinds of stuff. Do you really believe someone's going to rifle through your stuff, Destiny, and they're going to find that because you're going to be gone and won't even care? But they may look and they'll see, whew, I'm left behind, <laughs> you know? And you know, countless numbers of people get saved during the tribulation period. They get martyred right away, but they get saved. Wouldn't it be cool if it was from your rapture box? That's just a little extra right now, a little lanyard for you. Make a rapture box. But life's a battle and then you die. That doesn't sound exciting until you realize where you go and who you're going to be with and what it's going to be like. And again, we spent all last week preaching on it, so i got to get on this new stuff here. But look at this. When you die, the battle's over. There's not going to be any more battles. You don't have any. You can rest in heaven. The battle's over and you can rest. And how long are you going to rest for? Forever. In heaven with Christ. Dude, you're going to be blown away by Christ every minute of every day. And, 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 and in fact, in Romans 8, we'll get to this. It says, I reckon. <laughs> How many of y'all know what the word reckon means? Any, any Southern people here? I reckon. Reckon so, Jed. <laughs> right? That was Beverly Hillbillies back then. <laughs> but uh, you reckon. I'm, I'm taking all of the information I have, and I am reckoning all this information with this information. He, Apostle Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this life are nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in heaven one day. I reckon. You can do the, make your list. He says, man, the, the worst things you would ever go through on this planet are not even going to be memorable. They're going to be nothing compared to the glory God's gotten out of all of that. That's what we've got to look for. That's why we battle, man. We battle because we love him. And that, because that's what he's put us in. We know we want those Stephanos to be laying at his feet. But there's other reasons that we're going to talk about here in a minute. And so, again, when you die, the battle's over and you can rest forever in heaven with Christ. For the spiritual, all right? For the spiritual person, life is a constant battle. If you're spiritual, life's a battle. And I'm going to tell you this, that as a pastor of 30-something years, I have seen people make a commitment, start walking with the Lord, start getting on fire, start reading the Word, start following it, 
And when the battles come, the battles sometimes they feel are insurmountable and they back off. I've seen it so many times. I hate it when I see it. And I want to be such an encouragement to anybody that hits a battle, man, and they start backing off. But because what Satan would love to have you do is be able, he, he wants you lukewarm. He wants you to have a casual Christianity, a comfortable Christianity. That's not Christianity at all. It's not biblical. It's something you and your church came up with or you and your ladies group or men's group or whoever came up with and you call it Christianity, but it's not biblical. He would love for Christianity, Satan would love for Christianity to be represented that way. I have seen so many people make a commitment for Christ. When you make a commitment for Christ, Mike, what's the first thing that you can expect? A battle. Yeah. How many of y'all know that? You decide to go to another level and boy, the battle came, right? It's there. Guarantee you it's there. And according to parable of sower, if it's not the battle, what comes next is he'll crowd your life out with a bunch of junk and Christ takes us back seat. That's two things that happens all the time. Can't get you doing the wrong thing. It'll get you doing too many good things. You ain't doing nothing. But that's his ploy. Oh, that ain't even going to work no more, is it, JJ? <laughs> Here, man. I'm going to let JJ be my new clicker. <laughs> All right. So again, it's for the spiritual. And, and, and the, how many of y'all think Apostle Paul was a pretty spiritual guy? Paul, Paul, dude, how many of y'all think, all right, hey, put me up against Apostle Paul. I think we're walking toe-to-toe -to -toe here. You're up against Apostle Paul, man. It's like, no, you know, Paul, Paul's a little backseat to me, you know? The dude who got bit by a snake and like, hey, you just watch and see what happens. The guy's got shipwrecked. The guy got beat. All these different things. How many of y'all are right there with Apostle Paul? No, none of us are. And if the Apostle Paul saw that he had spiritual battles, if, the, if sin broke the heart, his own sin broke his own heart, man, how many of y'all think you can escape this yourself? I'm going to tell you, the closer you get to God, the worse you see you actually are. <laughs> Anybody experience that? Yeah. You're like, oh, oh. You recognize sin because your eyes are open and the, the, the comfortable Christianity, the it's all gone. You're like, you're exposed. Isaiah. Man, when God said to Isaiah, I want you to do, what did, what did Isaiah say? I want you to speak on my behalf. What did Isaiah do? Jesse, what did Isaiah say? I'm unholy, dude. And God took a coal, a charcoal, lit charcoal and burned his tongue. <laughs> I'm just saying. He, he, he said, man, you got to purify me before I even speak on your behalf. Oh, my goodness. And so, again, the closer you get to God, the worse you see you are. But. When you see how much he loves you, in spite, when you, he takes off the blinders and we see who we really are compared to a holy, righteous God. And the fact that he loves you, Kathy, oh my goodness, I don't even love me when he reveals that. Any of y'all had God reveal stuff and you're like, ooh, I don't like me no more. Yeah, God still loves you. He still likes you. And when we know that, it fall, makes us fall more in love with him. That's what's supposed to happen. And it's not supposed to depress us, discourage us. You know, it's supposed to encourage us. And he knows more about you than you could ever imagine. Uh, Spurgeon, I threw a quote out a long time ago, a couple weeks ago. And uh, Spurgeon said this. He said, if anyone talks ill about you, Jack, 
Don't worry about it, man, because they're not even close. <laughs> You're way worse than what they're saying. <laughs> That's literally what Spurgeon said. Anybody says something bad about you, don't worry about it. You're way worse than what they said, so just move on <laughs> in God's eyes. But he made you pure. You're his bride, and he's going to purify you in this. <clears throat> All right, so the, for the spiritual, life is a constant battle. An old country preacher told me one time, he said, you ain't met the devil today. He said, you're going his way. You ain't met the devil today. You're probably going his way. He got no reason to stumble you up. He got no reason to make you stumble. No reason to make you have a battle. If you're doing what Satan wants you to do, which is not worshiping him, he just wants you to cheapen the name of God. What's the second commandment? Uh, first one was have no other gods beside me because there are no other gods. Second was don't make no statues of me, all right? Because, you know, I don't, you know, I, don't want, I want to be known not by physical character. I want to be known by my attributes. But the third one, he said, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And vanity means worthless. So anything you do to make God's name worth less is vanity. It's not just saying, you know, that cuss word we all know, like, oh, I don't say that no more, so I don't take the name of the Lord in vain. No. Anything you do to make his name worth less is vanity. Instead of making his name worth less, you should make his name worth what? More. More. Yeah. So again, man, life's a constant battle for the spiritual, those who are trying to fight the battle, those who are trying to walk with God. And you got to know who the enemy is. The enemy is your opponent. The enemy is your flesh. The flesh has no control over you, but it's the very thing that the world attracts. It's the very thing. Satan, Satan's the fisherman, and he puts some bait on the hook. He puts some bait on a hook, man. And what kind of bait does he have to put on your hook, Paul? Don't tell me right now. <laughs> what kind of bait does he have to put on your hook, Hal? What kind of bait does he have to put on your hook, JT or Gary? What kind of bait, man? It, he, he's got bait. But let me ask you a question. As a lifelong, experienced, awesome surf fisherman, the snook slayer, Gary, <laughs> does the fish have to bite your bait? <laughs> no. In fact, most of the time that fish, man, that fish swims right by your bait. And that's what we're supposed to do. Hey, so, uh, JT, did the Eagles play today? Are you an Eagle fan? All right, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not just like, oh, well, sort of, you know, like you're a Gary Moss fan, or are you just wearing that shirt, man? You know he retired. He's gone, right? He's not playing anymore? All right, you just, you're living off reruns? All right, but anyways, the Eagles play today, all right? Are, are you a faithful Eagle fan, man? You love the Eagles, don't you? Let me ask you a question. Do you stretch before the game? Do you stretch out before the game? Okay, he's got some ritual, but he ain't stretching for the game, right? Oh, dude, my wife yesterday during the Michigan State-Ohio State game, or Michigan-Ohio State game, my dog was worried about her. <laughs> She's going, no, get it, don't, like my dog's going, <laughs> is she okay and i'm like no this is just how she watches football <laughs> in that but he did the same thing maybe <laughs> all right but do you stretch for the game let me ask you a question did you work out before the game did you yeah did, did you go did you watch film after film after film of your opponent before the game 
No. Did you have did you have a meeting with the coach and with your teammates and all about the game? No, because <laughs> they wouldn't answer. Well. No, because you were just gonna sell their autograph on eBay, man. That's all that was. But no, the reason you didn't, Gary, is because you're a spectator. He's a spectator. If you were actually going to play the game, Skylar, what do you got to do, man? Could you just do what Gary does? Get you a bowl of wings, man. And, you know, I've been to dinner with you before. Get a bowl of wings. I don't know. Maybe you don't eat that no more. But, but yeah, what, what would you have to do if you were actually going to play, Skylar? Yeah, prep. Man, you're going to work hard. You're going to work in the weight room? Are you going to work on the field? Are you going to work with your good? Yeah, you're going through all kinds of little battles and, and battles over and over to make sure that you are ready for the actual game. A spectator doesn't have to get ready for the game because a spectator is not going to take the abuse that an actual player takes. So you see the battles God gives us is getting us ready for each game that he's got in store. That's what he's doing. God, when God gives you battles, Tom, it's not because he hates you. I'm going to give Tom a bad time. Tom's not listening to me, so I'm going to make him look. No, dude, it's preparing you. It's getting you in shape for the next battle and the next battle so that when you get out on the field, man, you don't look like the Miami Dolphins against a good team. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I know there's got to be some Dolphin fans here, but yeah. God's preparing you for one battle after another. That's what they're for. So they're not only for the Stephanos at the end and the Stephanos to make heaven rejoice now, but each battle is strengthening you for the next one. All right, JJ. So we have to know that our enemy is the flesh. Let's look at the scripture here. Verse 14, Paul says, we know. Who's we? It's all the believers. This is what he's saying. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am flesh. Okay, the law is spiritual, and in the flesh, I already said it, you can't accomplish the law in the flesh. And that's what he's going to tell us here. He says, but we know the law is spiritual. I am of the flesh. I still have flesh. And again, we learn in chapter 6, it doesn't have control over us and all of that. What he's trying to say is, how, why do you keep sinning if you're saved? Do you ever get frustrated with yourself? You ever get frustrated with your wife? It's like, look, you're a saved woman. You shouldn't be acting like that. How's that work when you tell her that? I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, this is where Paul's at with this last section. He's like, dude, yes, we're married to Christ. We don't have to sin, and he helps us keep the law. So why the heck don't I? That's where he's at. He's got, any of y'all ever give yourself a high five? <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't believe I did it again. Anybody can identify except for me. <laughs> Take yourself a Oh, I did it again, right? That's where he's at. He says, I know the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. He doesn't say I'm the old man. In fact, listen to this. He never says crucify the old man. He says crucify the flesh. And we can crucify the flesh. That's by just not obeying it. We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh sold under sin. And again, he's already told us he's not a slave to sin anymore. But here he's saying, I'm having an awful hard time at it. You ever been there? Man, you know the right thing to do, but it's like, it just ain't easy. I don't want to do it sometimes. God, can I still be a Christian? Well, that's what he's going to get into. We know the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold in our sin. 
for I do not understand my own actions. How many of y'all ever live there? <laughs> you ever look back at what you just said, what you did, or you're like, golly. That word understand is the word gnosko. It's an intimate relationship. It's the one where Christ says, oh, be gone from me because you and I never had an intimate relationship. That's the word gnosko. He says, I do not. I have an intimate relationship with my actions because I suffer the consequences. I, I know the process. The devil dangles some bait and I bite and it hurts my lip and it causes me to, I've walked through the whole process, but I still keep doing the stupid thing that I didn't want to do. Anybody there? Brad, ever? Do I have to get Julie to answer the question for you? No, dude. So again, good news. Don't let the devil make you believe you're not saved if that's it. I'm going to give you some indications of your, of your salvation here. And this is how I know Paul was saved during this, because sometimes people think Paul wasn't saved in this situation. But there's characteristics of people who are, are saved in this. So he said, I don't understand my own actions. Tanya, I don't understand my own actions. <laughs> you ever there? Yeah. I mean, your husband understands your actions perfectly. You understand your wife. How long y'all been married, man? Yeah, yeah, forever that long that is. Yeah, man, you understand. Don't you guys understand your wife that well? Don't you wish she understood herself as well as you do? <laughs> I'm being facetious. Yeah, it's hard. He, I don't even understand my own actions. I do not do what I want to do. The very thing I hate. Now, if you don't think that's you, you are deceived. You're living in some kind of spiritual la-la land because this is what the Word of God says. It's something we need to address. And modern Christianity is becoming so Pollyanna. I don't want to deal with this stuff. I don't live. No. No, but we have to. Otherwise, we're deceived and our theology is horrible. And, and we don't understand who God is. He said, I, man, I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want. I do the very thing I hate. Go on, let's see what he hates. He says, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. So here's what he's saying. He believes the law is good. He believes the law is good, but what the problem is, is he's not doing it. So there's an indication that he's saved. You know what? When you're unsaved, do you care if lying is going to get you a little bit further in a deal? If you're unsaved, do you care if, if stealing time or stealing something in a business deal or stealing, you know, can you justify all of that if you're unsaved? Does it bother you? No, but when you're saved, there's things that bother you. Does adultery bother people that aren't saved? When the emotions, when all the everything's, no. Only when the consequences, if you're bothered by sin, that's something that happened when you got born again. When you get born again, you've got a Holy Spirit living in you that says, yeah, that's sin. That's sin. Now you can callous that sin. You can cover it up. And the most dangerous place you can ever be is where sin doesn't bother you. Because God has taken his hand off you and he can take you out of this world and you miss what he had for you in this if you're saved. But the fact is, is man, when you, you remember when you got first got saved? Sin was real. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm not doing that. Oh, I don't live that. No, I can't. I'm not going to do it that way. But so Paul says, now if I do what.
It's not, come on, oh, there it is. All right, yep, yep. If I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So he's agreeing with the law. Now, no, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin dwells in me. You know how I used to read that? It's like, oh, well, I, I really want to do the right thing, but I'm not doing the wrong thing. And so guess what? It's not me. It's sin that dwells in me. There's my excuse. So I'm okay, right? Doesn't that sound like a good deal, Marley, to have somebody to blame it on? Dude, I know what's right. I want to please my mom. I want to please God. I want to do all this. I want to please, but I, I fail. You know what? It's sin that's in me, so it's not my fault. Isn't that what we keep looking for? But that's not what he's saying. All he's doing here, he's not saying it's not his fault. He's saying this is what your enemy is. Your enemy is a flesh. He's identifying the enemy because if you don't know who the enemy is, you're fighting the wrong battle. You've got to know who the real enemy is to be able to fight the real battle. So again, look at this. He says, so now it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. Again, is that is not an excuse to say, oh, well, I can't help it. No. First. All right. So he says, it's no longer, uh, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So again, it's, he's, got, he's identifying the enemy. That's what he's doing is identifying the enemy because if Satan can get you fighting the wrong enemy, you will never succeed. Oh, my circumstances. Oh, I can't do it. First Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. In other words, your temptation is not unique. You're not the only one that's ever faced this. But God is faithful. In fact, he tells us in 1 John 2.16, he says, here's the only three ways you could be tempted in, in, according to the word of God. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And Christ used God's word to overcome those in the temptations in the wilderness. Adam and Eve failed at those in the garden. So if you follow God's word, you can succeed. The devil can't make you do it. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, more than what you're able. But with the temptation, what's the next word? He will make a way to escape. You can't dig your own hole, Sean. Can't dig your own little rabbit hole. Can't take your own little way to escape. You've got to take his way, which is following him in his word, in that. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Again, it's not an excuse to say, oh, well, I can't do it. No, that's dispelled. He's just identifying the enemy. And does the flesh have control over you once you're born again? Does the flesh have control of you guys? No, the old man had control of you. All you got left while you're on this planet is you got this flesh. It has no control unless you give in to it. Man, oh, I can't think of the dude's name. I'll say... Uh, there was an old uh, uh, illustration of a guy who was a, gave a story about a sea captain, man. He says, when you come into this world, you're on a ship. And on that ship, uh, Satan is your captain. That is exactly what Romans chapter 6 says, Romans chapter 5, that you're either of God or you're of Satan. And you come in the world of Satan on Adam's team and all of that. But you have a captain of your life, and it's Satan. And then when you get born again, Christ is now the captain of your ship. But what he does with Satan is he puts him down below. He puts him down below in a jail cell. Jail cell. <laughs> I can't get both them right. Jail cell. There you go. <laughs> and he, he, put, he puts him in a jail cell. 
I just, whatever. It's not jello, but anyways. And so there he is. He's there in the jail. And he's down below, below deck. You're supposed to be up on above deck with Christ. That's your new life up there. But he's down below, down in the bilge, and he's in a jail cell. Can he have any authority over you while he's in that cell? No, but he sure can bark out some orders. So guess what? If you start choosing to go down below deck, and that's where you want to hang out because that's where all your friends are. You want to go down and hang out below deck because that's where the lure's taking you. You want to go down and hang out below deck, then all of a sudden, the enemy who has no power of you is barking out orders from the jail cell. And he can't make you do anything, but how persuasive do you think Satan is? How deceiving do you think he is? If you get suckered by the encyclopedia salesman, y'all remember them, the vacuum cleaner salesmen? You get suckered by the car salesman. They got nothing on Satan, dude. So so the idea is stay out from down below. Stay out from under down below. Stay up top where God wants you. And when he does send you down below, make sure you understand what's getting ready to happen and you have the word of God as your shield, your authority to fight with, your sword in all of that. But he has no authority over you. And the flesh has no authority. You choose to satisfy it. When where is all our satisfaction supposed to come from? Christ. Yeah, it's Christ. And that's what happens as we grow. That's what happens as we go through battles. And we watch Christ win the battles for us. Man, you remember Jericho? (laughs) What a crazy battle. You're like, well, you don't understand the battle plan God's given me. Jericho, man. You remember that? All right. They're all scared of you. Here's what we're going to do. Julie, what did they do the first day in Jericho? Anybody know what did they do? They marched around the camp and they blew trumpets. (laughs) The enemy's like, ooh, and they're like, huh, what's going on here? Second day, enemy's like, all right, let's see. Surely they're going to attack at some point. Seven days, God had to march around. And then they got to besiege the place, didn't they, Jack? At some point, they then got to turn the cannons, the catapults, and the, the hammers and the swords, and they got to tear down the wall on the seventh day. No, no, no. What happened on the seventh day? What did God tell them to go do again? Well, march. <laughs> hey, God, I thought we were going to, like, kick their tail. <laughs> Hey, God, I thought we were going to, like, win this battle. God, I thought, God just said, you just keep marching, man. This don't make no sense, God. And God says, I know that's why it takes faith. It don't make any sense. That's why it takes faith. And that's what I am pleased in you in is faith. And I am big enough to do this with you marching around. And then what happened on the seventh day? They blew the trumpets. And what happened? Who did that, Brad? God. Yeah. But don't you feel awful silly when God's got you marching around a wall for seven days sometimes and all your cohorts and other people looking at you go, what the heck are you doing, Brad? What are you doing? I'm just doing what God told me to do. I'm marching around the wall. If God told you to march around the wall, Jesse, what do you do, man? March around. Let God be God. But often we're like, this ain't working. <laughs> day, not even, you don't even wait till day six, do you? How many of y'all are like day one people? If it doesn't work day one, you're on it, man. <laughs> you got your own plan. Yeah. Just keep marching. Do what God wants you to do in that. So now it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. So sin is, is, is what this flesh loves to do. 
but I don't have to listen to it. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. Can anything good be accomplished in the flesh? Paul says, no. For I have the desire to do what is right. That desire to do the right thing, that's something saved people have. And you're going to see in a minute even more evidence that he's saved during this time. That I have the desire to do what's right, but in the flesh I have no ability to carry it out. I can't do it. You try to do it in the flesh. You try to obey the law in the flesh. Do the right thing in the flesh. It's not going to work. So could we make Christian rules in a society? Let's, just, let's, let's create a society and we'll make Christian rules and have everybody obey the Christian rules. How many of y'all think it would be a better place to live? How many of y'all think that everyone could do it? How many of y'all think lost people don't have a chance? Yeah. I've seen it happen in school systems, in a Christian school, you know? Only saved people can act like saved people, man. And even then, Sabrina, you're saved, right? How often you act like you ain't saved? I'm just saying. Yeah, and I'm not picking on Sabrina. I'm picking on all of us in that. But yet we think we can orchestrate all of this stuff in here. He says, man, I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what's right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Who's speaking here again? Who's the dude writing this, Gary? The Apostle Paul, which you go toe-to-toe with spiritually, right? If the Apostle Paul's dealing with this, Brandon, does that make you feel a little better? Dude, you ain't as big a loser as you thought you were, right? (laughs) I'm just saying. Literally, isn't that what Satan wants us to do so often when we fail? Is, oh, you're defeated. You're no good. You just might as well quit right now. No. I'm picking it back up, and I'm doing the right thing. I'm going back. I'm going to fail, but I'm also going to succeed, and I'm getting those Stephanos. I'm going to experience God's grace and do the right thing. But i got to understand who the real enemy is, and i got to understand what the real solution is. He says, I do not do the good I want. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Oh, J.J., I missed one here. But go ahead. Just keep going. We'll go to the next point. Click again. All right, there we go. So here's the deal. You already know. It's sin that's doing it. It's not an excuse. He's simply identifying your enemy. But God's word is our weapon. All right, so what's our weapon? There you go. How many of y'all are afraid to read the Bible? I don't want you to raise your hand, but I'll tell you what, that's one of the biggest lies Satan has to believers. I can't read the Bible. I can't understand that. Oh, I can't. Uh, it takes a scholar to do that. You can't. No, dude, you open it up and you let the Holy Spirit cut a chunk off your size and put it in your mouth and you eat it. Again. Man, how many of y'all, anybody here, I, I don't I want to talk to the vegans right now. I just want to talk to the meat eaters, all right? How many of y'all remember when porterhouses, dude, I went to like Longhorn or something for a porterhouse, and it was this thick, man. Dude, I can remember when I was a kid, porterhouses were this big, you know? Man, big old porterhouse steak. How many of y'all like big porterhouse steaks? All right, now to know you're on the same page, how many of y'all like them rare, man? Oh, yeah, there we go, all right. Gunny. Gunny, you're, you're a pretty experienced eater. Yvonne, Yvonne is, is he an experienced eater? So, right. So if you took a big porterhouse and put it in front of him, would you have to cut it up into little bite-sized pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, you, he wouldn't even need utensils. Gunny, you think you could handle a big porterhouse steak with no utensils, only your teeth? 
Yeah, me too, bro. I just picked that sucker. In fact, I'd be gnawing on that bone until my wife says, you can't do that in public. I say, I'm taking it home. <laughs> I'm an experienced eater. I'm a good eater, man. I can eat. I got proof for that too. So, But now you take that big old porterhouse steak and you put it to them kids downstairs. Give it to Keone. And if he loves it and wants it, man, can he pick that thing up and gnaw on it like me? Me and Gunny against Keone and, 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 and one of your kids, man. <laughs> Any of them. Pick one of them. Pick your best eater, man. <laughs> Me and Gunny against Keone and your best eater. Well, who's going to win that? Me and Gunny because we are experienced eaters. But it didn't start out that way. We didn't maybe, you know, mom had to cut a little bit up and get a little bit on a fork and put it there and we had to eat it, you know. And then probably on day two, we grabbed our own fork and knife. <laughs> in fact, y'all know I carry my own knife just in case a porterhouse shows up. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But mom or somebody will cut it up and give it to you. In fact, some of y'all were like deficient in your eating skills. So mom had to actually grind it up, mush it up, you know. And y'all had to eat that kind of stuff for a while till you got the hang of it and got teeth, you know. But I'm just saying you start somewhere. And as you eat, as you eat, as you eat, you become a more proficient eater. But, Julia, would you make your kid eat like a big chunk of something in one bite? No, why? They choke, and it would be of no value. You're not going to choke on God's word. You open up God's word, and you start reading it, not to cut a deal with him, you open up God's word and start reading it to see what he wants you to do. What your spouse wants you to do. Oh, you want me to do that? And he says, yes, so do it. And you're going to see my power come alive. And you're going to be able to do this in his power. But that comes from his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's in the word of God. So don't be afraid of his word. I, I, I almost want to make you ask you to raise your hand and say, how many of you read the Bible every day? I'm not going to do that. Don't raise your hand. Man, it's sad in Christianity how many folks don't. It's where your nourishment comes. All right, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all, do raise your hand on this. How many of y'all like go days without eating physical food? Any of y'all? Steven, you're just weird, bro. <laughs> but he looks like Jesus, so he does that 40-day thing every once in a while, man. So, but not messing with you. But literally, man, you don't go dead because you would get sick. You would not be healthy. You would not be nourished physically, but spiritually, it's the same thing. In the world of Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So God's words are weapon. Our mind is the battlefield, and Jesus Christ is our Savior. There's our battle plan that's set up for success. Uh, so he says in verse 21, almost done here. He says, so I find it to be a law, not a real law, but I find it to be kind of a, uh, a law, something that happens every time. He says that when I want to do right. Okay, let me ask you a question before reading that. Every time you want to do right, what's going to happen? Yeah, some, you're going to be tempted to do bad, right? That's what he means by law. He says, it's almost a done deal. Every time I want to do the right thing, I'm going to be tempted to do the bad. How many of y'all identify with that? Right? Even you, Hal? 
man, you, you want to do the right thing and you got, because you got all them options. You're not like, yeah, even though you're an accountant, you got that lineal mind, you probably know all them little options, right? Ooh, I could do this, 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 this. There's temptations in all of that, right? So he says, I find it to be a law. It's just a guaranteed done deal that every time I want to do the right thing, evil lies close at hand. Hey, you guys remember uh, Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel, first two kids in the Bible, right? And they go to offer God a sacrifice. Cain, he was a farmer, so he brought God some grain and some corn and some vegetables and all that vegan stuff, right? And I'm not cracking on vegans. I'm just saying that's what he brought him. This is a good indication that God likes meat, all right? I'm just saying. But Cain and then Abel, uh, he, was, he was a rancher, so he brought God some, some, some meat and brought a sacrifice there. God accepted the meat, but he didn't accept the vegetables. Now, that's not saying anything about our dietary habits, but it's saying what God did tell him was acceptable and what it wasn't. And so God didn't like Cain's sacrifice. He said, I don't want that. And, and, and Cain, what happened to Cain? What, was his, what, did he, what happened to him, Destiny? Did he, get, did he get happy and go change his sacrifice? And got No, what did he do, bro? He got mad. Woo, he got mad. Said, what, who, who are you to determine what I'm supposed to bring to you for a sacrifice? And um, he said, well, if you do what's right, everything will be cool. So you can change. You can do something that's right. But, and this is Genesis chapter 4, I believe, if you want to go look up the story. But in that... Uh, uh, he accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he accepted Cain's, and, and he told Cain this. This is the word that sticks out. He said, if you do what's right, he says, it'll be, it'll be okay. But he said, sin is crouching at your what? Sin is crouching at the door. And he says, you better subdue it. Sin is crouching. You better take control of it right now. Because if you don't, something's going to happen. But he said, sin's crouching at your door. You know what I envision, man? Man, I want y'all to do this to somebody today, all right? Like at home, you know, I want you to just hide behind the door, all right? Paul, hide behind the door, man. Hide behind the door, man. And as soon as she opens the door, go, ah! Right? <laughs> or just take control, put them in a headlock, throw them down on the ground, get them in a figure four, dusty road, woo, whatever. And that's what he's saying. He said, sin's crouching at the door. You better take, cold, take control of it right now. Because if you don't, it's going to take you. And, and, and did Cain take God's advice and say, wow, sin's crouching at the door to, to Dusty Rhodes me, man? How many of y'all do not have a clue who Dusty Rhodes is? How many of y'all have a clue who Dusty Rhodes is? <laughs> yeah, the bionic elbow. Y'all remember that? Back when wrestling was real. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> literally it's crouching at the door you better take control did now did uh cain say wow god you're right all right god help me help me help me not be angry about this and help me go get some meat from my brother and go offer your real sacrifice is that what he did no what do you do first murder in the bible he killed his brother sin was crouching at the door and it overcame him so paul said <coughs> I find it to be law that when I want to do right, evil is crouching at the door. There's opportunities, man, especially when you're angry. You're going to have opportunities to feed the flesh, and you're even going to feel justified. Don't do it because it's going to be worse than you ever imagined it to be. 
So he says, for I delight in the law of God. All right, here, here's the reason I know Paul's saved when he's writing this. I delight in the law of God. Does any lost person delight in the law of God? No. That's what saved people. When you get saved, now you delight in the law of God. You know what this word delight means? This word delight means I happily concur. I am so, man, that so sold on the fact that your way is the right way. It is the best way. I cannot be in more agreement than that. That's what this word delight means. I cannot be in more agreement that your way is the right way. It's the only way. It's the greatest way. I delight in the law of God. In my what? In my inner being. My new man. That's right. So I, I, I want to do it God's way. But how many of y'all ever want to do it God's way, but you have the guts to do it God's way? You're like, man, that ain't going to work. Have anybody here, would anybody here ever, would you, would you raise your hand just so I know I'm not alone? And I'm not saying do it, but have, have any of y'all ever said, all right, this is God's way, but I can't do it that way. I'm going to do it this way now. Anybody besides me? Yeah, that's confession. That's confession. And it didn't work. You're like, well, it worked so far. Yes, yeah, so far. If I were you, I'd just kick the sin that's crouching at the door, kick his tail and get him out of here. But in that, he says, I delight in the law of God, but it's in my inner being. It's in my, it's in my new man. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. And so, again, the inner man is being controlled by your mind. In fact, in fact, later in Romans 12, he tells us that the battlefield between God and the devil is your mind. It's what you think about. How many of y'all like to make mountains out of molehills? Anybody do that? <coughs> Started when you were a kid, you know, a little tree branch scratching on the window or whatever, and, and, and you're like, oh, it's a tree branch. But that tree branch turned into what, dude? But, but what did it turn into? Dude, it turned into a 50-foot boogeyman by the time that night was over and you're crying for your mama to come in, right? Yeah, and we still do the same thing. It's our mind. So our mind, this, this, oh, this, the mind can, be, uh, can, can satisfy the flesh or it can satisfy our new being. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, 1, he said, I beseech you, brethren. I'm begging you because God has been so merciful to you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice to him. It's the least you can do. It's a reasonable service since he saved you from hell and he's given you victory here and he's given you a home in heaven. It's the least you can do. But he goes on and says, you need to prove what the will of God is by renewing your mind. You've got to renew your mind. What was that? No. <laughs> you got to renew your mind. Uh, JT, your mind ever get old? <laughs> yeah. Anybody in mind, Mike, your mind ever get old? And you might be saying, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm being forgetful as I get older. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, Abby, your mind ever get old? And you're only four. Oh, I'm supposed to tell people how old you were. Sorry. <laughs> oh, not yet. Soon, but. <laughs> anyway, Marley, your mind ever get old? Yeah. You know what old means? Old means you live like the old man. You think like the old man. You think with that sin. So that's what he says in here. He's telling us the word of God is our weapon and the mind is the battlefield. 
So if you're going to go to the battlefield, which is your mind with the word of God, that means you've got to continually put the word of God in your head to change your mind. Kathy, isn't that what you've been saying? You're battling back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And God has to renew your mind. He makes your mind new. Because when it's old, you're getting discouraged, you're being defeated, you're thinking you, your circumstances in the flesh, you've got to renew your mind. I don't care what age you are. That's how we do it. That's why the word of God is so important. And that's why you are seeing deconstructive theology right now. Anybody have a clue what deconstructive theology is? I'm just going to throw it at you, man. It's straight from the pit of hell to basically water down and devalue the word of God. Like, oh, well, these people during this administration changed this and during this key. You know, it's, de it's devalue. It's saying the word of God's not your final authority. We can't trust the word of God. And it's that, well, we have the spoken word of God, so we can take bits and pieces of the word of God and we can apply them how we want. No, dude, you need the word of God, the written word of God, and you need it in context. And don't ever let Satan think, make you think you can't understand it. You read it, he will cut you a piece off. God will cut you a piece off and put it in your mouth, whatever you're able to handle. And JT, oh, I can promise you, man, when you're ready to handle a big old T-bone, he'll put the whole bone in your face right there. He'll bless you. Anybody ever had God throw a big T-bone in front of him while you're reading the Word of God? Yeah. Well, for you vegetarians, man, how about a big piece of broccoli? I'm just saying. A big old Brussels sprout. Woo! He packed my mouth full of Brussels sprouts. All right. He says, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. The, my mind is where the battlefield is. I got to stay focused on the word of God and what, what my spouse wants. What do you want me to do, Christ? And I do it. What do you want me to do now? And I do it. What do you want me to do now? And I do it. I've got to stay focused on that. The way, Jack, when you're sitting in a tree stand. What are you focused on, man? I, I, you're probably one of them hunters that, like, looks at your phone the whole time, right? You're just down there, you're texting, looking at your phone, man. In the dark, it's shining off your face. Or, is that? No, what are you focused on, dude, when you're in that stand? And where are you looking? Everywhere, dude. He's probably like my son. Dad, shut up. Your neck makes too much noise when it turns. You know, it's like, yeah. Focus, man. Aren't are you focused out? You're a good hunter, dude. You're a good fisherman because you're focused on your environment right there. That's the kind of focus we have to have on the word of God because we are in a real battle. God's given us the battle so that we'll have Stephanos. He's given us the battles to make us ready for the next battle and the next one. And he, and he loves the fact that we use faith, but he's, he's going to give us battles and we've got to be focused. On the word of God, not our circumstance. Y'all remember, <clears throat> man, God just put this on my head. Man, do y'all remember when he sent the disciples across the lake? He sent them across the lake and he wasn't with them. They were rowing, rowing, rowing. What happened in the middle of the, in the, middle of the lake, Tom? <sighs> big storm. Big old storm going there. What were they focused on? And dude, they were rowing and they were not making any progress, right? They were rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and they weren't making any progress. And, and, and who walked up next to him? Jesus walked next to him. And what did they think he was? Yeah. <laughs> they thought he was a ghost. They didn't recognize Jesus Christ walking on the water next to them because they were so focused on their circumstances. Our focus has to be on Christ. And that's what the word of God does. And it puts it back on Christ because that's who renews our mind through the word. 
It's not renewed through Facebook, through Instagram, through social media. It's not renewed through the news. It's renewed through the word of God. So I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my member. Now, last couple of verses, listen to this, man. Tell me if Apostle Paul says this about himself. Brandon, you ever felt like this? Just look at the first part. Brandon, just read me that first that first exclamation point all the way up there. What does it say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, wretched man. No, read it like you mean it, bro. How, how many of y'all, have you ever been there, y'all? Wretched man that I am. Have you ever been there? What the world's going on? I understand everything that's happened in my mind, but I don't understand anything. How can I love Christ and keep doing this? Because you still got flesh. And Satan owns the sea, or he's, he's managing the sea, and he's got a fishing rod, and he keeps throwing bait out there. And what keeps you from biting that bait is the Word of God. Word of God says, ooh, that thing's shiny, man. <laughs> That's a mirror lure. Don't bite it. It ain't, a mirror, it ain't a mullet. It's a mirror lure. He's like, Oh, yo, Zuri, man, now they're making them Japanese ones look even more real. Like, oh, don't bite that one. A plasma. Have you been amazed at the stupid stuff fish will bite, Jack? Yeah. Because you know what? I'm going to give you all the key. The se- How many of y'all want to know the secret? Mike, you want to know the secret of fishing? Uh, Gary, you want to know the secret of fishing? All my fishermen, right? You want to know the secret? If you fish where the fish are, when they're biting, you'll catch them. I don't care how many lures you got in your tackle box. It don't even matter. I have literally thrown gold hooks out there with nothing on them and caught one catfish after another out of a drainage ditch. I'm just saying. And that's us. We're a new man. We don't, (coughs) if we are living in the spirit and we are following (coughs) what Christ wants us to do. What do you want me to do now? I'm doing it. I'm not saying we're going to always get it right. But we're going to get it right a lot more than we are. And and then when Satan throws that bait out, we're going to look at the word of God and say, no, I don't care if this is the only way the world says we're ever going to succeed in this situation. I'm not doing it. I want to give God a chance to do something so supernatural that only he can get blamed. Amen. Instead of taking matters in our own hands, because you know what? If you ever you ever, you ever have to violate the word of God, you better understand on the other end of that bait, there's a hook. And you got to know who's holding that pole. You don't ever have to violate it. Wait for God to do what he wants to do. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? There's something for modern theology. For this body of death. Well, don't be talking about death. Don't be talking about, no, dude. He says, Paul, the apostle Paul, he said, all I can accomplish in this body is death. I sin and stuff dies. Man, I even had good intentions when I sinned. I didn't even know I sinned. I just didn't ask God how to do it. I didn't know in his word to do it. This body of death, that's what we accomplish in in the flesh. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, look at this. He goes into a whole doxology here. Check this out. Thanks be to who? So who's going to deliver him from the body of death? And how's he going to deliver him through the body of death? One, by saving him. And two, 
by, by sharing with him through his word what he's supposed to be doing. He's giving you his word, and it's alive. It's relevant. It ain't like any other book. You open it up. He feeds you, and he saves you from this body of death because when you don't follow the word, you do the wrong thing, and something dies. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So who's the one that allowed you to be born again so that you could live a spiritual life? Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our what? What's that word? What does Lord mean? Remember medieval times? My lady, my Lord. What's Lord mean? It means boss, dude, boss. <laughs> That's what it means. What do you want me to do now, boss? I I'm submitting to the mission you have for my life. What do you want me to do now, Lord? And you do it. Because is there a better Lord? Is there a better boss? Who better than the one who knows everything, can do any, everything, and is everywhere? So he said, man, who's going to deliver me from this body of flesh that keeps messing up? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then look at this. Last part of the last verse. I myself serve the law of God with my mind. So where's the battlefield again, guys? It's in your mind. And how do we renew our mind? Through what? Through the word of God. That's it. That's the key. That is the key. It's renewing your mind through the word of God. How often is the enemy trying to attack? How often is the enemy setting you up to fail? All the time. So how often do you need to be on guard? How often do you need to be thinking about the word of God? Yeah. Man, we were playing some game. I'm not bragging on me or nothing because I didn't even know this, but where's Sam at, man? She, she got work. Oh, she's downstairs with a kid. What's she doing down there, man? But anyways, we played a game at Thanksgiving, and you had to, like, roll dice. Oh, roll dice. Sorry, man. No, you had to go to that person and go to that thing on the list, and, and Sam had to compliment me. And I was like, oh, dang, what's she going to call me? And, and I'm going to tell you, again, I'm not bragging, because this has been a priority in my life, but it was cool to hear her say it. She says, you can't talk to Pastor Eddie anywhere for more than five minutes without him turning it towards God. I'm just saying, guys, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? Can you imagine how much trouble I get into on a daily basis? <laughs> Can you imagine how much trouble I get into if I didn't have Christ? It, it's, it's my survival mode. I got to be in his word. I love his word because it rescues me. Go home and read Psalm 119, longest chapter in the entire Bible. And every hundred, all 176 or five verses are all about the word of God and the value of it. Go read Psalm 119. But man, I have got to stay saturated. I have done so many things to tick the devil off. He's always throwing bait in my face. I got to know what the truth is so I don't bite. And guess what? Guess what I still do sometimes, Gunny? More often than I'd like. More often than the Apostle Paul. What do I still do? I bite. <laughs> I bite. So imagine if I wasn't in the Word, what I'd be doing. I'd be digesting. <laughs> Man, I'm saying we got to be there. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. I keep my mind on God. Peter and James both quoted the Old Testament and said, you'll have perfect peace if your mind is focused on him. 
So if you don't have perfect peace, get your mind focused on him through his word. Let his word come alive. Just read it. Read it like a, with a telescope instead of a microscope. Read it like you read a novel. I'm giving you permission to read it and not understand it. In fact, you'll probably get more out of it if you read it and not understand it. If you just read it and let the Holy Spirit of God make it come alive for you. Make it come alive. He'll never lead you to do anything against his word. But man, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, my flesh, <laughs> I serve the law of sin. Man, you got a choice. For the spiritual life's a constant battle and our enemy is the flesh. Understand it's a battle and it's constant. But God's word is our weapon our mind is the battlefield, and Jesus Christ is our Savior. We're set up to succeed. We have no excuse, no reason not to. So when you die, the battle is going to be over, and then we can rest, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to be in heaven with Christ forever. That's a pretty cool gig, right? So if you've never given your life to Christ, if you don't know that you belong to him, and you have a desire to surrender your life to him, just do it. There's no magic words, no special prayer. Just surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him. Give him your life. If you are born again and, and you've already surrendered yourself, but you know there needs to be some more surrender, do that again. Make a commitment to the word. And here's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to come, you know, January 1st and say, oh, I'm going to read through the Bible in a whole year or whatever. Most people fail because they fall behind and have to catch up. Just read. Pick it up and read. Wherever you stop, pick it up and read it the next day. Read it the next day. Just keep reading it. Keep reading it. Let God cut you some nice, man, burnt ends of a brisket off, man. Some nice smoked turkey, man. Let him cut you off a, man, nice ju juicy smash burger, right, Scholar, man? Let him cut something off, man, and just savor whatever it is he puts in your mouth. That's what he wants to do. And that's how we live this abundant life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thank you for um, giving me this message and reminding me so much how I have to renew my mind constantly. Father, um, I pray that if anyone has been discouraged because they've taken two or three steps back with every step they've taken forward spiritually, I pray that they would remember that just the desire to keep following is indication that they're saved. Lost people don't have a desire to follow. They don't have a desire to keep going. Father, I pray it would be, it would be an encouragement, but I pray whoever you're speaking to in that way would get into your word and just let you speak to them and comfort them and encourage them and convict them, whatever they need, Father, and help them keep moving forward. Father, if there are people that are strong right now, Father, help us not get lured away and confident in our own strength. Help us to fall more and more in love with your word because your word is our weapon. Our mind is the battlefield. And Jesus Christ, you're our Savior, so we can't fail with that. Father, help us remember so we can succeed. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.